Welcome to Inside Out. It's nice to see everybody tonight. Glad you're here. Uh, you guys had the day off from school today, so you should be well rested. Probably not, but it seemed like you should be. I want to ask you guys a question. Did you catch the line in that song? Think about this. That had nothing to do with my message tonight. This is for free. Did you, did, you read the, did you catch the line in that song? Someday I will walk beside my Savior. Can you imagine what that's going to be like someday when we're in heaven? We walk with the Lord now through the Holy Spirit dwelling in my heart. But can you imagine what that's going to look like someday when you're in heaven and you hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, and you're actually going to walk beside the one who gave his life for you. We'll be able to see the holes in his hands, the spear in his hole in his side, and the holes in his feet. Do you guys realize how powerful that line is when you think about it? So no matter what you're going through today, no matter how hard things are as a Christian, I want you to always be able to capture that picture in your head. Because you guys have all heard the songs that have been written along the way, but it's just to me, it's pretty powerful. When we get to lift our voices up to the Lord in the midst of what's going on in our world, to quiet our hearts and just to come in here and seek his face, draw near, do, do what the scripture says, draw near to him that he might draw near to us. Normally tonight, I'm a little bit disappointed tonight, to be honest with you. Normally, it's November 11th. Does everybody know what November 11th represents, what this day is? Yes, Brooke. Veterans Day. That's why you guys got the day off from school. That's pretty cool that it's Veterans Day. Normally, we have a whole room full of people. We got flags everywhere. We got celebration. We actually bring veterans into the room, and we celebrate with them. But the thing is, a lot of our veterans are elderly folks, and I just, God kind of laid it on my heart to keep them safe, especially tonight since it's snowing outside. We would leave them home tonight so they could stay inside. But what I want to do tonight is I want to honor our veterans to begin with, and then I'm going to kind of weave in through the message that God's laid on my heart, some ideas about the veterans, some ideas about Scripture, and some ideas about us. But before we turn to anything else, I have a question for you to talk about at your table. I want to know, and some of you may be uncomfortable with this, and some of you may never have done this before. I want to know what the most powerful weapon you have ever handled is. What's the most powerful weapon? See, I was in martial arts. We had bow staffs. We had nunchucks. We had spears. We had swords. We had all kinds of different things when I was in martial arts. But in your life, what's the most powerful weapon you have ever handled? Talk about that at your tables, and we'll come back up to the front of the room in a minute. Okay, I need to get you guys' attention back to the front of the room because we're running a little bit late, and I got a lot to cover tonight, and I don't want to bore you guys to death with what's on my mind, okay? So... With this in mind, with Veterans Days in mind, I want to go ahead and I'm going to play a video just to honor the veterans. We would normally do this if they were in the room. We would thank them. We would stand. We would clap. We would cheer. We would show them our appreciation. So tonight we're going to do that quietly. But I never want to lose sight of the fact of how great the nation is that we live in is. I've been around the world, China, Hong Kong, Vietnam, Cuba. You guys know that. I've been Belize. I've been around the world. And this nation is amazing where we live. We may not all get along politically, and we may fight like crazy over different things, but we still live in the most amazing nation in the world. And a lot has been sacrificed by the veterans who have given everything at times that we may do this tonight. Because in other parts of the world, we don't get to do this. So when you watch this video tonight, I really want you to consider what veterans have given us, both male and female, as they serve in the armed forces. Corey, if you'd play the video, please. You see in that video quotes of leaders across the years in our nation. And there's a lot of argument that goes on in our country, whether we are a Christian nation. I would say this, we are a nation founded on biblical principles. And you see those principles being spoken out in these quotes tonight as you look at these things. So we're going to take this idea of being a warrior 
in the military and a warrior as a Christian tonight, <clears throat> and we're going to book in this book in these things together. Excuse me. I want to title tonight's message a band of brothers. Because I really think, I'm going to start with this and hopefully I can remember to close with this. I really believe the veterans of the United States Armed Forces have done things for us that we will never, ever know about. But they are still our heroes. We watch Avengers movies. We watch superhero movies. We all want a hero. When you look around our community at some older gray-haired gentleman or an older gray-haired lady, you have to understand that they are our heroes. They are the ones that have provided us the opportunity to live the liberty and the life that we live here in America. That we can open up the Bible and we can speak the name of Jesus out loud because of the First Amendment, because of free speech, and because of the right to worship however we see fit. In this room, we worship Jesus Christ through Scripture. <clears throat> but when you look around, we can never take for granted the liberty that we have. And look at me, young people. We are depending on you to vote somewhere down the road, to serve somewhere down the road in the community, maybe in the military, but serve your country through Christ Jesus somehow, some way as you grow up. But don't do it ignorantly. Do it educatedly, that you know what you're voting for. You know what the Constitution stands for. You know what the Bible says about what it looks like to be a Christian. I would encourage you guys to not be two things. Not be lazy Americans. <clears throat> don't be a lazy American. I don't, I'm not trying to tell you what political party to even follow, but don't be a lazy American and do not be a lazy Christian. Spend time building yourself up and edifying yourself in the things of Scripture. And that's what we're going to look at tonight because I really believe, I wish, it breaks my heart that we can't honor the veterans in this room tonight. But I think it's the right thing to do, but I'm still brokenhearted over it. So, so if you see them, it's one of your questions in your small group later on. Take the time to thank them for what they've done for you because that's why we have what we have because people have sacrificed everything at times so that we have these freedoms. What I want to do tonight is I'm going to look at something in Scripture tonight, and that's why I want to title tonight's message A Band of Brothers because I want to look at this idea in Scripture in the book of Exodus chapter 17, and we'll cover that in just a moment. And I'm going to make this pretty, hopefully pretty brief tonight and give you guys some time in your small groups, and then we'll close with another thought <clears throat> toward the end of the night. But to set this up, we're going to talk about the Amalekites and the Israelites way back in Exodus chapter 17. The Israelites have not been long out of the, out of the land of Egypt where they were rescued from being slaves. They started off, and right before this, they were in the desert, and they got the whining and complaining of Moses. It would be like you guys in here tonight. Dan, we're thirsty. I was over in the junior high room last week, right? And the first thing the junior high students asked me was, well, where's the water? Where's the water, Dan? And I said, well, you guys aren't supposed to get any water tonight. Why not? I said, because Tanner told me you weren't supposed to have water because you were being brats with it the week before. So he told me tonight you don't get any water. This is what's going on with Moses. Moses is leading millions of people through the desert. They've been rescued out of Egypt from slavery. Moses is leading them, and all of a sudden they go, Moses, we're thirsty, and there's no water out here. So Moses, God tells Moses, strike the rock, and water comes forth supernaturally. And sometimes I think we read scripture and we're like, yeah, whatever. No, there's millions of people that are whining at Moses because they can't have anything. And this is where we start to see their brains start to unfold in scripture on how God takes care of them. So there's millions of people out across the desert and the strong ones are in the front and in the rear of the pack are the weak ones, the feeble ones, the, the ones that can't move too fast and they're old and they're wore out. Well, there's this band of nomads, which basically are travelers, warriors, and they are um, the Amalekites. 
And the Amalekites come from the, the, remember Jacob in the Bible? His brother Esau, they're descendants of Esau. And Esau was a godless man. These guys followed nothing about scripture. They, they hated God. They didn't want anything to do with God or the tribe of the Israelites. So what the Amalekites did is they, take, they took and they attacked the rear of the tribe of Israel and overthrew them. And they attacked them and God got mad about it. And he didn't like it very much. And neither did Moses. So what we're going to see here is you see Moses tells Joshua, and we'll talk about Joshua in a few minutes, tells Joshua, go put together some people and attack the Amalekites. That's what we're going to, that's kind of the context of what we're looking at. So I'm going to read the scripture and then I'm going to break down a couple of thoughts and then we'll get into our small groups. So Exodus chapter 17, verses eight through 16, it says this, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of, the, some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua fought the Amalekites and Moses had, as Moses had ordered, and Moses and Aaron and Hur went up on top of the hill. As long as Moses held his hands in the air, the Israelites were winning. But whenever Moses' hands were lowered, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him. And so he could sit on it. Aaron and Hur at that point held up his hands, one on some, one side, one on the other, so that he, as his, so his hands remained steady up in the air until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites, Amalekite army with a sword. Verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, because, my, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war with the Amalekites from generation to generation. So when you see this, I've got this written down on my notes, just like, just like in any army, in any operation that involves elements of what's going on within this story. And the elements of what's going on here is the power of God in heaven, the skill of Joshua and the army, and the intercessory prayer or interceding of Moses, Aaron, and her on top, the, on top the hill. Joshua's army would trust God and fight. Moses and associates would trust God and intercede, and God would do the rest. So what I want to do tonight is I want to look at three different things in Scripture we can pull out of this story, okay? And I think they're important, and I really hope you guys, I hope God will allow me to explain to you guys what we see in this story and how it relates to us, because it's something that will change your life if you grab a hold of it tonight. The first thing is this, the significance of the sword. In verse 13, it says, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. <clears throat> this is the first time we see Joshua introduced in Scripture in this story, up to this point, Joshua has never been mentioned in Scripture. Joshua goes on to actually become a servant of Moses, but he also leads the Israelites into the promised land down the road. Moses was not allowed to do that. Joshua actually did that. Joshua was the one that led him into battle when they marched around Jericho seven times. This is the Joshua. But think about this. This strikes me. Because this same Joshua, not long before this, maybe weeks, a month, was a slave in Egypt. How did Joshua go from being a slave in Egypt to being a mighty warrior and a soldier? He had attributes. Because sometimes we think, as you sit in this room tonight, you think to yourself, what can God do with me? I'm a high school kid that goes to, I'm a high, I'm a high school. What can God do with me? But see, Joshua, when he was locked up in Egypt as a slave, he didn't see himself leading an army. 
So wherever you sit tonight, don't get stuck on where you're at. Don't look at where you're sitting now. Look at what God, the possibility he might have with you down the road. Because I believe this. I really believe when we get this as Christians, we are a band of brothers and sisters, or we, and we are in a battle. We are an army in this room as we sit tonight. And I think God wants to use you, but you sit around and you think to yourself, I'm just so-and-so. I'm nothing. God can't use me. Joshua was the same way. So we see Joshua lifted up here as a soldier with superior skills that stood out amongst, amongst everybody else. The other thing that strikes me in this, and you guys know me, and I love this word, obedient. Joshua was obedient to Moses. They'd been attacked in the rear. So Moses goes to Joshua. He says, hey, I want you to go get some of our men and go fight the Amalekites. These guys were a band of warriors that were pretty stinking tough. Joshua could have been like, dude, whoa, wait a minute. We're, we just got out of being slaves. We're not ready for this. But Joshua was obedient to Moses because Moses was obedient to God. And I think that's what you see here. So he rallied the troops. The significance of what we see here is that you got to understand Joshua fought courageously and competently, but the battle belonged to the Lord. It's not Joshua's strength and ability that wins the battle here. It was God's ability through Joshua and Moses and Aaron and her, which we'll talk about in a second, that actually won this war. Here's the significance of the sword, I believe. Joshua used these weapons, this weapon, this sword, as a form of protection. He used this weapon to protect himself from the Amalekites to begin with. But he also used this sword as an offensive weapon, an offensive weapon to defeat the enemy, to overthrow those who were attacking him. To our veterans, I believe, the, I believe their weapons were the same purpose. But here's what I want you guys to catch about veterans. Watch this. Veterans use their weapons for the same purposes, to defend themselves and to attack offensively and overthrow the enemy, to take them out. But why? To protect us. See, Joshua and the army did what they did to protect the Israelites. Our veterans have done what they've done to protect us to keep our homeland safe. They go overseas into foreign nations to keep us safe. Joshua did the same with his sword. The, the, the veterans of today did the same when they were in battle. They used their weapons, but it was ultimately to protect us, not the Israelites. But as, as Christians, here's what I want you guys to know. We have weapons, but the battle for us is different. See, Paul puts it this way in Scripture in Ephesians 6, 12, that we do not fight against flesh and blood. As you look around the room, you might not even like everybody in this room, but they're not your enemy. Our enemy is the devil and his demons. We fight supernatural battles here is what we fight, and we see that in Ephesians 6, 12. But what's our weapon? What is our sword? Our sword is this, the sword of the Spirit. Paul says in Ephesians 6, 17, the sword of the Spirit is the only offensive weapon when you look at the armor of God. It's this. I want to tell you guys a quick story from 2 Samuel chapter 23, and I think it's verses 9 and 10. Eleazar, there's, if you ever get a chance, go back and read 2 Samuel. Write this down. Go read 2 Samuel chapter 23, and I think it's like verses 8 through... It's David and his mighty men. It's verses 8 through 15, I think, about in that area where it's at. 2 Samuel 23, David and his mighty men. One of David's mighty men is Shammah. And I'm not going to talk much about Shammah tonight, but Shammah, it says, stood in the middle of his bean field and fought off the Philistine army. One man. 
Another one was the Eleazar, and this is the guy I want to focus on for a second. It says, when the Philistine army came upon them, Eleazar stood his ground and fought. These are true stories, you guys. He fought so long and so hard that his hands melded, froze to his swords. They couldn't get him loose. That's how long Eleazar had been fighting with the swords in his hand. They actually melded to his sword, and they couldn't get his hands free, Scripture says. These are true stories. These are not made up. This was one of David and his mighty men. But you know what struck me when I was reading that the other day? I thought to myself, I thought, Dan, is your sword, are you using it so much in battle? Are you fighting so much with your sword, which Paul says is the word of God? Is your hand melded to your Bible? Do you look at this and read it and focus on it and study it so much that you could say that your hands were melded, welded, frozen to your sword? The Word of God. For me, that was very humbling because I would, I'm a pastor. The answer is, well, yeah, sure, you bet. I'm still human, no. Do you guys understand how awesome that is when you think about being one of David and his, David and his mighty men, Eleazar, his hands froze to his sword is yours. Are you reading the Bible so much every day, studying it every night, spending time thinking about it, that your hands would be considered frozen to your weapon, frozen to your sword? Although Joshua must have fought courageously and competently, the battle belonged to the Lord, and it was demonstrated this way. Here's how we see the battle belong to the Lord. Will, come here, please. I can't even pick this thing up. Here you go. Take that for me, will you? Up above your head like this. Hold it up there. Turn around and face these guys. There's Moses on top of the hill. I want you guys to see this picture. This is such a cool picture, isn't it? So you got Moses up on top of the hill, it says in Scripture, right? And you got Joshua down on the ground in the dirt and the dust and the mud and the blood, and he's having it out with the Amalekites. And here's Moses up on top of the hill. And as long as Moses' hands are like that, Joshua and his crew are kicking butt. But as soon as Moses' hands drop, because he's human and he gets tired, when that staff, and that staff that Moses has in his hands... That staff that you see tonight is the same staff that Moses had when he was at the burning bush. It's the same staff that God gave to Moses to assure Moses that he was with him when he went to free the Israelites out of Egypt. It's that same staff that Moses is holding that you see there. It's the same staff that Moses uses during the plagues when he's in Egypt against Pharaoh. And remember the magicians throw the stair staffs down? Moses throws his staff down and it's a snake. And then the, the magicians of Pharaoh, they throw theirs down and theirs is a snake. But guess what Moses' staff does, remember? It ate the snakes that were the other ones of the magicians. And then he sits down and he picks it up and he puts it back in his hand. And then when the Israelites were freed and they were going out across the desert and the, Pharaoh, the Pharaoh's army was coming after him, remember that? And they get to the Red Sea and they're like, oh my gosh, what do I do with this? And Moses holds up this staff in his hand like this. He holds up a staff. Would you hand him a chair so he can sit down, please? Moses holds up this staff in the Red Sea parts and the Israelites crossed on dry ground. And then on dry ground, after they got to the other side, here comes the army and Moses lifts his staff back up again and then the water comes back together and drowns all the Egyptians. And this is the same staff that Moses has in his hands. That was the one that struck the rock and brought water out for all the Israelites across the desert. So this same staff that Moses has, every time 
He has his hands in the air. Joshua and his buddies are kicking butt. But when that staff comes down, bring that staff down for just a second. Put that staff back up again. When that staff comes down, Joshua begins to lose. So there had to be a time when Moses dropped that staff, wasn't there? Because he's tired and he's human. And it says he did that all day long. This picture is a picture of us raising our hands to God when we're in a battle saying, Lord, I need you. If you don't intercede in this, Father, I'm not going to make it. You two hop up here, will you? Meet Aaron and her. Say hi to these guys, will you? Aaron and her come up beside Moses because they're up there on the hill with Moses. And all of a sudden, they see Moses is getting kind of tired, right? So Moses has Aaron and her. They grab a hand on each side, and they hold, they grab his hand on each side, his hands on each side. Let that bar go. Good, because they can't touch the staff. That's a staff that God gave to Moses. So these two start to look down on the ground and they see Joshua down there. And every time they notice that Moses gets tired and drops that staff, they start to lose. So these two right here, what they do, Aaron and her, they intercede. And they come alongside their friend Moses because they realize that this battle belongs to the Lord. And all day long they do this until sunset. And there's a great victory. Now be Joshua for just a second, will you? Joshua's down on the ground in the mud and the blood and the guts and he looks up when they start to get their hind end kicked. He looks up there and he's like, Moses, pick the staff up. Because even Joshua starts to realize that when the staff comes down, they lose. But when Moses raises his hands to the Lord, they win. You get in the picture, you guys? But this is also a picture of intercessory prayer. Because see, what Moses needed was a brother. He needed someone to come alongside him and help him hold that bar. Help him hold that staff. Couldn't do it on his own. He needed help. And I want you guys to get this picture as Christians tonight, as brothers and as a band of brothers and sisters in Christ. I want you guys to realize what you see here. When I was in a gym, and when I was younger, when I was in a gym and I'd be working out, nobody ever come and ask me to spot for them. Look at me. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> These guys would never go, hey, Dan, can you spot me? Because they knew Dan wasn't ready and equipped by looking at me to pick that bar up for them and pick it off their chest. Are you, here's a question I've got for you tonight. Are you spiritually prepared and strong enough to spot your friends in prayer? You understand what I'm getting at? Let me ask you this way. Would you guys come and ask me to pray for you? You would, wouldn't you? See, I am a spotter. Maybe not in the gym, but in the gym of life, I can spot people because I'm, a, I'm prepared and equipped to come alongside my brothers and sisters and lift them up in prayer and intercede for them on behalf of God. Do you guys understand what I'm getting at? Because I really believe our military people need the same thing. Does that make sense? Because this is hard and this is heavy. And I did this on purpose because I want you guys to see this picture. I want you to see Moses being Moses couldn't do it on his own. And I want you to see Aaron and her understanding that they started seeing this. His hands had come down, they'd lose. Hands would go up to God, they'd win. Aaron and her started to get this picture as well. So that's the significance of the staff that Moses had in his hands. You guys can put that down on the stage. You guys did awesome, by the way. Give it up for these guys, will you? That was pretty cool. You guys did good. So the significance of that staff is that. When we look down at the battle and we see our brothers and sisters in Christ and they need to be prayed for, we need to make sure that we're coming alongside them and helping them 
to, to, to be able to carry that weight that, uh, that battles bring because life is hard and sometimes we don't know what to do. The third thing is this, the significance of the scroll. It says in verse 14, then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to remember and make sure Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under the, under the heaven. God asked Moses to write this in a scroll so that Joshua could hear it. That really kind of weighed on me for a while. See, Moses wrote this in a scroll and God says he wanted Joshua to hear it. And here's what I believe he wanted Joshua to know. Joshua didn't win that battle with the sword. Joshua won that battle because he had some guys up on the hill that were lifting their hands up to God in prayer and interceding for them. God used Joshua in the army, yes. But Joshua in the army didn't win the battle. And the last thing God wants you to do is be puffed up. The last thing God wants you to do is think, I got it going on as a Christian because I got God on my side. No, we need to know that we need to know as Christians, here's what we need to know. We find victory through Christ and Christ alone. There's no victory to be had in any of our life as Christians outside of Christ. It's through him that we find victory. And the other thing that strikes me in this, and then I'll break you up into your small groups in just a moment here. The other thing that strikes me is, well, let me, let me say it this way. God told him that he would wipe out the Amalekites, right? In the reign of King Hezekiah, that happened. So what God said and had Moses write in a scroll happened during the reign of King Hezekiah years and years later. But here's what I know about Christians. We find victory through Christ. Joshua found victory because of what was being done on the hill, interceding and asking for God's power to rain down. And as Christians, we find victory through Christ. Hezekiah wiped out the Amalekites completely from the face of the earth. They were defeated. You know who else is defeated? The devil. Do you realize the devil is a defeated foe, according to Scripture? So as Christians, we find victory in Christ, and the foe that we fight against is defeated. Joshua found victory through the hands being raised up to God and God interceding in that battle for him, and they, they wiped out the Amalekites were defeated. See the parallel in this story when you look at this from a Christian perspective? This whole thing unfolds, unfolds perfectly. Joshua had a sword. We have a sword. Joshua had God. We had God. Joshua's enemy was going to be wiped out and was defeated, and our enemy is wiped out and is defeated. Do you understand? We, are, we live victoriously now. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. We have veterans that have went out across the world for decades fighting for victory. As Christians, we don't fight for it. We, we don't fight. We fight from victory. We need to act like Christians who are victorious and quit walking around defeated. And remember, our sword is to edify, but Jesus Christ used the same sword in the garden when the devil came at him, when he was being tempted after 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus said, it is written. It is written. If you will allow your hands to be melded to your sword, you can tell the devil every time a temptation comes, no. I don't have to. I fight from victory, not for it. It is written, be gone from me. Do you understand? Because you guys, we are a band of brothers and sisters in a battle. Never forget that. Just exactly 
like people who wear a military uniform never really take it off. Once a Marine, always a Marine. They may not wear the uniform, but it's in their heart. That's why we fight. Turn to your small groups, discuss the questions, and we'll come back and close in just a minute. The old word for this is Ebenezer. So if you ever hear the word Ebenezer, that literally means altar. And they have to take a time when they would build altar, they would basically stack rocks up. And that was to honor God for what God had done and given them the great victory. Because when you go back to that story of Eleazar, it says that the Lord brought about a great victory. And in this one, same way here in this one, the Lord brought about a great victory. So Moses went ahead and he built an altar, a banner. When you look at our military people, their banner or their flag is the American flag, the United States of America, our American flag. That is where the military people, that's their banner, their flag. When you look at a football, a high school or college football team, the first ones that run out onto the field before the game are who? When they come out of the tunnel, it's the person carrying the flag. And that flag represents who they fight for. So that banner, that flag, that allegiance they have to that Moses's, his banner, the Lord is Nisi is what he called it. That's, the, that's a banner is what that means. So to Moses, it was God. That's his banner. What's yours? What is the banner that you fight your life under? The American flag should be one of them, I agree with. But as a Christian, our banner should be the Lord, just exactly like Moses's. But I want to play a song from Johnny Cash. It's an old song. It's been around since the mid-70s. But I love this song, and it has to do, it's called The Ragged Old Flag. So if you guys would pay attention to this, I want to do this tonight in honor of our veterans, that this is the banner that they fight under, is the American flag. Corey, if you would. That video, and I watched that young lady walk away at the end. The word that come to mind, sacrifice. The sacrifices that have been made over the generations for us to have the opportunity to sit in this room tonight that have been provided us by people who have given all at times, but have signed up, whether they've been in battle, but in times of war or not, they've signed that paper to go and give their life and stand in the gap for all of us in this room tonight and everybody in America over the years to have the privileges that we have in this country. I never want you to ever lose sight of the fact of the sacrifices that have been made for us in this nation by our armed forces that people have served in the military, men and women, and when you watch that lady walk away who had given her leg so that we could sit here tonight and do this, never lose sight of the fact of that. And one of the questions on her was, how can we help veterans? I think you do that by saying thank you. I think you do that by never losing the gratitude that you have in your heart for what has been done for us, that we can do what we do in this nation. And I would encourage you, when you see a veteran, young or old, you take a minute and thank them for their service. Oh, we never fought during the war times that don't matter. They signed up, and I would encourage you guys to take the time to thank them. When you look at this battle with Joshua and Moses and Aaron and Hur and the Israelites as they defeated the Amalekites that day, there had to be sacrifice and loss. We don't see that in Scripture, but people had to give their life on the ground that day for the Israelites. There had to be sacrifice. We don't see that in Scripture, but it was a battle, so you know there's lives lost, people wounded, people lost everything, which led me into thinking about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ the ultimate sacrifice. Greater love has no one than to lay his life down for his friend. And I want us to never forget the sacrifice that our Lord's made for us. Whether you believe in this tonight, whether you believe in Christianity or not, or you're listening to this on a podcast maybe, 
You may not even be a Christian, but it's truth that Jesus Christ died on a cross, sacrificed his life so that we may be back in relationship with him once we believe that truth and we accept that in our own heart and we're saved by the blood of Jesus and we become Christians, that we never lose sight of the sacrifice that Christ has made for us. Because I believe you guys, if we understand the sacrifices of Americans that has been made for us, we will appreciate living in this country more than ever. But I also believe that if we understand the sacrifice that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has made for us, and once we sign up and become Christians, that should impact the way I live my life, should it not? It shouldn't be about the rules. Yes, there's commands and rules to follow, but it shouldn't be about the rules. It should be living a life as an American to honor those that have went before us and living a life as a Christian to honor the one who sacrificed all for us. I pray that this message helps you guys tonight in regards to veterans, in regards to scripture, in regards to our Savior. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are good. And I want to pray tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name, for those veterans who are not here tonight, Lord. But I know you're faithful. I know you're faithful to speak to their hearts tonight, Lord, and just come alongside them on this day that has been put in place for them to honor them. So I pray for them tonight, Lord, that you would comfort them, help them, because there are scars that they have and wounds that we will never see that they live with every single day. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you would comfort them tonight and I pray that they would find you, draw near to you and that you would help them where they need help and meet them where they need met. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of scripture. The stories where we see so long ago are so relevant today. And I pray for each person in this room that we never lose sight of the fact of what our Savior has done for us, sacrificing everything, giving his life, shedding his blood on a cross that we may be back redeemed in a relationship with him buried, dead, crucified, dead, buried, and raised from the grave three days later and now sits at the right hand of the Father Almighty in heaven. May we never lose sight of the fact of what our Savior has done for us and that sacrifice, and may that impact the way we live our lives to his glory. Help us to do this by your grace and by your mercy and by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.